Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake, episode 35, I think. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me, it's birthday boy, Mr. Rob Hayes. Hello, Pete. How are we? Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Um, Good birthday present. Yeah, well... <laughs> the best birthday present. It is. I mean, to be honest, it's everyone's birthday at the same time at the moment. It's unbelievable. And again, unbelievable, brilliant, fantastic. Um, you've, you've got to get a thesaurus. Yeah, I really do. Uh, I don't know whether I sound a bit hoarse or whatever from the game yesterday. This is obviously being recorded the day after the win against Southampton. But uh, I mean, I don't think I went over the top with anything because it, it wasn't that kind of game. But I think I'm still recovering from... From vacation. I was going to say, it, it might not have too much to do with the game against Southampton. It might have more to do with the fact that the reason that we haven't had a podcast in a couple of weeks because you were living it up on the strip. In Vegas, yeah. it was. I, I, I represented the shirt. I wore the shirt. The uh, the, the classic 89 shirt. Listeners right. will have seen some pictures of that, <laughs> won't they? Yeah, literally it was day two. It's a good um, job you selected those when you were relatively sober. Yeah, it's pretty much the only time in the eight days. Brilliant time, brilliant time. Quite interesting, though, because um, a few people, well, the people I went with, uh, a lot of them are fans of other clubs. Um, and Alex, he's a, a Leicester fan, listens to the podcast. Hello. Um, and uh, I wore the shirt, and we were, we were testing people out, because people say, oh, where are you from? Whereabouts in Australia are you from? And you're like, mm, miles away, pal. Um, and we basically said, oh, in England, we're from, from Leicester. And normally you'll say like near oh, Leicester, exactly. But normally you you say like oh Nottingham, Robin Hood, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But of course you say Leicester now, and all taxi drivers are like oh Leicester City and all this. And of course the people who ain't Leicester fans in the group are like oh for God's sake, <laughs> not, not again. Me and Alex were like yeah, well, uh, <laughs> fully enough. Oh and Leicester City from the EPL. Exactly. Oh my, yeah, you, you guys are great. It's uh, that. What, what accent's that? Was my American really? Was it? Was it not very good? It's your birthday. I'll let you off. Thank but, you. Um, no, it, it was it was a brilliant trip. But um, with Leicester, um, many conversations with people about the club. They wanted to know what's what and how has it got this far. How has it happened? And to be honest, I just said I'm not really sure. No one's really sure about it, and you know how it's come about. And it's just absolutely fantastic. And we were trying to uh, relate to American teams and all that sort of thing. And we've we've said before the Golden State Warriors. Um, a basketball team who, from nowhere, literally have, have become the best team for the next, last two or three years. Yeah, they won the NBA last season and they're doing very, very well yeah. in the Western Conference. I think they lost their first home game a couple of days ago, all season. There you go. It's um, so, and that, and that's what a lot of people said. They they are. So I got a shirt. I got I got a uh, Golden State Warriors T-shirt. Did you? Are we going to try and create an alliance there? Was it the Carolina Panthers? We've got Leicester. We've got an alliance with I, in football. Yeah, that's in the alliance. American football. That's the alliance with the Carolina Panthers, uh, who lost in the uh, Super Bowl. I tried to find a shirt, but they don't have them. I presume if they lose the Super Bowl, then, then just... everybody ignores the fact that they exist. Exactly, and they've got like thousands and thousands of Super Bowl winners that. Just get sent off to the third world somewhere. Um, speaking of um, jumping the gun 
uh, or, or having leftover stuff. Uh, sellers of scarves with champions on. Yeah. They were seen around the King Power. A lot of media outlets were reporting it all over Twitter and Facebook. And I saw one. I walked past him. Um, and he's a Chelsea fan. He had a Chelsea shirt on. And he's got all <laughs> these... He's got all these... these Leicester scarves. Well, they're Leicester scarves. Whether they've just been slightly modified from... Uh, from, from the Chelsea ones. The Chelsea ones, yeah. So, uh, and uh, a lot of people... It was quite funny because I stood there for a couple of minutes. Um, and I was chatting to a few friends who, who I saw. And the people who were buying them, you could tell were football tourists. They were there either just to get the photo with the scarf to use as something for some news or whatever, or they were genuine football tourists, which is absolutely fine, not a problem. The people who were walking by who were genuine Leicester fans, virtually to a man, shouted, too soon, mate, too soon, or, or what are you selling them for and that. So uh, it's nothing official, but, uh, I mean, end of the day, it will get to a point where the club and the uh, marketing department will have to set the wheels in motion by starting to do that sort of thing. But uh, They're yeah, going to have it, to mass-produce them as well because they oh. haven't even got enough shirts to sell at the minute, let alone champions' memorabilia because a lot of people will want to get their hands on it because they'll never know if or when there's going to be another opportunity to get some champions. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely flat broke from my Vegas trip, but I will be buying a shirt with the... Uh, I mean, it's, obviously, this is all... If and a huge if, all theoretical, people all hypothetical. Listen, people who listen to the podcast before they know that we we are we're not saying that they're going to win the league. We're not saying this that, and the other. We've we've been quite reserved on that front. But uh, I will be buying everything. I will be buying hats, shirts, scarves, socks. I want the new shirt with the golden logo on the on the arms for champions. I'm going to have champion 16 on the back and that's all if it happens. But anyway, we're better to talk about the game. Shall we talk about some football? Football, yeah. Instead of dreaming. Yeah. It's uh it's going well. So, uh last time we uh met, we have played two games, the Palace game, we've had England breaks and obviously Leicester involvement in those and then the game against Southampton at home and we'll just start with the game against Southampton. Another 1-0 win. That's four now on the bounce in the last eight at home. How many clean sheets have Leicester had in the last eight home matches? Mr. Rob Hayes. Seven? Seven, correct. Is that right? Yes. Get in. Seven. Um, I was on the Anfield Wrap earlier today, the uh, the largest uh, football podcast in the country to do with an individual club. Why have they had you on three times in a season? Uh, do, do they want listener figures to plummet? <laughs> it will be four, actually, because I'm going to be back on. Um <laughs> So if anyone wants to listen to that... You're going back on when we win it, you mean? They want me back on then. Um, I basically thank them for the point against Spurs. Uh, I've never... The most nervous I've been watching a football match that doesn't include England or Leicester was Liverpool versus Spurs this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hats off to Spurs. They're a good team. You know, they are a good team. Deli Alley, Kane, very good. Could have Um, won it right at the end as well. Oh, yes. And it looked like they were going to score. Uh, So I thanked the Anfield Rat Boys. I said, oh, thanks very much to all the the Liverpool fans uh, listening to that. And uh, and they just wanted to know what's been going on since the last time I spoke to them. And and how it's how it's been going and um, and I mentioned that I said well from the start of the season conceding loads and scoring loads we're now winning one nil and eight games the last eight games at home seven clean sheets all the way back to last year but when we played Man City when we drew nil nil it's mad it's, it's mad it's absolutely and, mad but that that back four has been the foundation. Yes. On which we've built this success, and it's and it's time for Wes Morgan to step forward and get a bit of the limelight with his goal. Fantastic header. Um, quite, I was quite. I just thought it was a basic header from from my position in the commentary box, and 
when I've seen the replays, what a great header. Obviously, it was forward for the corner. Uh, a great ball in from Christian Fuchs on the left. His left peg's quality. Oh, yes. And, uh, and a header, bang, 1-0. Um, let's go back to before the game, the atmosphere, pre-game. For a start, the place was buzzing. It's a Sunday, uh, the, the sun was out, so there was a bit of that kind of um, relaxed atmosphere. But it was a almost slightly party-like atmosphere. There was a lot of expectation, but there was not really a lot of angst or a lot of nervousness around the game. I think that was generally down to the Spurs' results. Yeah. I think if they won, there would have been a lot of nervous energy. But, a lot more pressure on the game then for the fa- for the fans and the players, isn't there? Oh yeah, loads of people outside of the ground really early, obviously to get their free donuts and beer, which was mentioned by the on the, on the Anfield. It's good of them to do that for my birthday, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, although you weren't there. Where were you anyway? I, I was stuck at a sports hall in Kettering, commentating on volleyball. Just the eight matches over the course of a weekend. So on your birthday, you could have been at the King Power watching Leicester win and go seven points clear. Drinking beer and drinking, eating donuts. Yeah. And also there was a fry up in the press room. Yeah, I, I saw put the picture. Uh, yeah, I saw the, put the picture out on the uh, for Fox 8 Twitter and Facebook. I but think. I didn't actually see any daylight, really. And Until I, I drove home. It was actually my birthday Sunday. Um, until I drove home, had a, about an hour of light before it got dark again. Had a, had a Chinese and a couple of beers and that was happy birthday me. But uh, the, the one thing with the donuts and the the booze and, and the beer, all the uh, all water, it's the way they do it as well. It's not like, oh, there's a massive queue and they've learnt from, I think, the first time they did it, where there's a table pretty much the length of the East stand yeah. with it all on. I drove past it. Fantastic. We're just really well done, really well organised, just about as well organised as the Leicester defence. Uh, oh, good one. That's a good link. You're so smooth. <laughs> that's a good link. Um, yes, and it's time for Morgan to get the, the, a lot of the spotlight. Great, um, great uh, bit of... Uh, Punditry by Harry Redknapp. I didn't see it. What does he say? Have you not seen it? No. He uh, he's basically says that uh, Wes Morgan, he's been playing really well and possibly deserves an England call-up. This is 25 caps <laughs> Twenty five caps for Jamaica. Played, uh, played for them in the in the Gold Cup and the... Uh, he played two international the, the tournaments, didn't he? CONCAF or whatever it's called. That's it, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he's come out today saying that uh, he deserves an England call-up. So, well done, well, Harry. Well done, Harry. But, uh, no, it, it, the game was just very similar to the games against uh, Newcastle at home and the Stoke game, where... They never looked like conceding. Yes, they had a lot of ball and they put the ball into the area an awful lot. But there were no real saves for Schmeichel. He tipped one over in the first off, a good save from uh, from the centre-half Fonte. Yeah, he smashed um, that, didn't he? The one thing we do have to say is the penalty incident. Uh, well, it was Incidents. not given. Well, Mane went clean through, went round Schmeichel and his shot on goal was blocked by the arm of Danny Simpson. And No pen. Not you, for me. Are you a no pen? I'm a no pen. I'm a penalty. Are you? Yeah. His arm, if, if it doesn't hit his arm, it hits his uh, midriff. Well, so if he, he, doesn't, blo- he blocks it anyway. His arm is moving in the motion of his running. He's, uh, Which is exactly what Claudio Ranieri did say. And yeah. I completely agree with everything But you said. still think it's a penalty? Um, there has to be some intent. No, for me, I've got a real thing about if the ball is travelling towards the net, if it's going to be a goal, if there's no option apart from it being a goal, and it hits someone on the arm, that's... A penalty for, for me. If it didn't hit him on the arm, it'd hit him in the chest and it still wouldn't go in. Yeah, I know his arm was near his chest or by his chest, I know, but for me, it's a penalty. But in the rules of the game, it has to be intentional. They were talking about it on Match of the Day too, actually. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of people were saying about it, and, and, and I I still, I mean, obviously, obviously a Leicester fan, but I for me, if it was the other end of the pitch, I'd be livid. I, I think it was a penalty, personally. And I can completely understand why people don't, and I can see the argument, but for me, I'm just on the side of... If a 
if a ball is stopped from going in the net by an arm, even if the body's behind it, and the, it's for me that is a penalty. And I would be still, you know, livid with if it was the other end. Kevin Kilban and Troy Deeney were the, the two pundits on match of the day too, and they both said that they, they kind of agreed with you in the sense that if it hits an arm at a crucial time in in the penalty area, it should be a penalty. But they said that the rules need changing clarifying, to, to clarify yeah. that because the how how is the referee supposed to decide whether there's any intent that's true he, I, he can't get into the player's mind follow his thought process and see did he mean to move his arm the, i mean the, the one thing was it, it wasn't given and, and ronald Koeman in the press conference after was he it, he was full of praise for leicester says i want them to win the league they deserve to win the league really good team but he did say look i, I thought there were two penalties he mentioned the handball in the second half no not for me at all that one it volleyed at a hoof's hand yeah, from it, point it, blank it, range never in a million years slowed down as well it actually clips his foot before yeah, going up to his hand there's no way ne- never in a million years but that one's out a good couple of yes. feet away from his body yeah so Again, again, but for me, if it's so close, if you are a yard away and it's volleyed, there's no way. But um, but anyway, the one thing I will say about Simpson, fantastic. Mm, again, what a fantastic performance. The entire team, midfield, Kante was all over the place. Brilliant. I thought all Did you see his heat deli- map. Yes, Kante's heat yes. map was just uh, apart from uh, in the attacking two sort of tiny little corners of the of the pitch. Apart from that, he was everywhere. His heat map was orange. Pretty much everywhere. Well, I think and red in the centre. If, if you had the heat map for Leonardo Ajoa, it would be in the corner. Because yeah. <laughs> um, give it to the big man. The, the whole team was fantastic. I thought Orb Mares was quite quiet. Uh, it just wasn't his game. I thought he looked a bit sluggish as well. Maybe it's a lot of travelling. Okazaki. If you could label a, a, a player's performance under the under the label of it's just not his day. It was just it was not his day. One, yeah. Oh, he slipped over. He was behind play. The guy's travelled about 19,000 miles this week. So um, I can let him off that, especially for the overhead kick previous game. Uh, all Brighton's delivery wasn't as good uh, as has been as usual. Um, but the rest of the team, immense. The, the defence, fantastic. Well marshalled by Schmeichel. Uh, and like I said, it was it was time for Morgan to step forward. He's got his goal. Apparently they've been taking the, the mickey out of in the dressing room because he's not yet scored. But uh, they never look like scoring. Never looked like scoring at all. I was really comfortable watching that game. And also, the substitutions, when they brought on Leonardo Ajoa and Gray, both of them working brilliantly well. Ajoa looked half a yard faster than he has done. Maybe he lost a, a few pounds as well. But again, his control and his physical presence, because they're a big team, Southampton, got some big lads. Uh, he was brilliant. He came on and was superb and should really be pushing for a starting role. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts in the next game away at Sunderland. It's good for us to have that bench though. Like you say, it wasn't particularly Maris's best day. It wasn't Okazaki's best day. They can't be on completely on top of their game all the no. way through. But you know that you've got the likes of Ajoa and Gray waiting in the wings. They've had very few chances this season because Ranieri has had the luxury of starting the same 11 players throughout the majority of the match. But Gray came on, looked lively, did well for the under-21s, which will go into internationals in a bit. Ajoa, like you say, pushing for a start. Maybe Okazaki does just need a bit of a rest because of mileage and the work rate that he puts in, etc. But it's good to know that still, even at this stage of the season, you've got the squad to fall back on. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and it was his intelligence as well, Gray, when he came on. He didn't just try and beat as many people as he can. He stood on the ball. He played nice little triangles. It, it was an intelligent performance. And, and that's what they need. Obviously, they were told on the bench probably for an in, the entire game up until they came on, look, this is what you're going to do, this is what you're going to do. But 
we had the chances to, to score more. Simpson, if he, if he had any ability in front of goal, should have scored. I think he was just concerned about getting that shot on target. Yeah, because it? it was coming at him. Yeah, it's and, easy to balloon that. And it? But Fraser Forster, who I think is England's best goalkeeper. I like him as a goalkeeper. Yeah, brilliant. Had a great game. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's a top keeper. I mean, the save he tipped over Fonte's attempted own goal. Brilliant save. Not many would have got there because of his, of his size and his height. Saved a good one with his feet as well. I think. Yeah, from, yeah. Was it Vardy? I think it was from Vardy. So yeah. and 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 Kuman afterwards, he did say he, he said, look, they had the better chances. We had more possession, but they had all the chances. I can't really think of a clear cut chance for Southampton. I mean, they were a bit nervous, obviously, at the end when they had that free kick uh, in the last second of injury time. But another comfortable win, and now we're seven points clear with six games to go. Unbelievable. Spurs next. They have Man United at home. I, I expect nothing but a, a Spurs win, to be perfectly honest. I think they'll they'll turn them over comfortably. We're away at Sunderland. Another game has been ticked off and we've got a two-point advantage. Maybe when we play or when we do the podcast next, it might have reverted back. So it might only be five points because we draw. And they, who knows? But it's, the games are being ticked off and that's the main thing. Seems to be a bit of a recurring theme on this podcast, Pete, but we've got another 1-0 win to talk about now. Uh, we've covered the most recent, Southampton. As we say, we've been a- away for a couple of weeks due to various working and completely non-working commitments in Las Vegas. But uh, It was hard work. Oh, I'm sure it was, <laughs> it, it yeah. Was, it was hard work to get over it. Hard work for your bank manager. Yeah, it was hard work to get over it as well. Yes, but 1-0 win, <laughs> win against Palace. You've only just recovered. Yeah. You can still hear it in your voice. <laughs> Uh, and you'll be recovering financially for a while, I'd imagine, as well. But anyway, 1-0 win against Palace. Riyad Mahrez on target. Another one of those where you could quite easily, a Leicester City of the past could quite easily have drawn or, or perhaps even lost it. Yes. I mean, they hit the crossbar in injury time, I understand. I mean, I was at 39,000 feet for the whole game and I landed... And wanted to know the score, so um, various people were texting others saying, "Oh yeah, what's what's the Leicester score?" I'm like, I don't want to score. I want to know who scored as well. I want everything. And um, I happened to be sitting next to a Spurs fan, so uh, <laughs> when when the score was read out, fantastic! It, what a way to start a holiday. But um, yeah, one nil win. Marries with the goal. Good build up play by Vardy on the left hand side. Squared it. Marries bang one nil. And apparently Leicester weren't quite at the races, but kept a, what is a, a, a poor. Uh, or, or in out of form Palace team, Pardew, Pardiola, as you like to call him. Out of, I mean, he can manage a team to a certain level and they go on these runs, but as soon as they stop winning, he can't arrest the slide. It's he, out of ideas, isn't it? Oh, God. He's got, he's he, got plan A, plan, plan a, a, and that's it. And plan A. I've told you the story about him uh, at Charlton. No, go on. Have I told you my Pard, uh, Pardew story? No. Well, you know, he, he he likes to think of a lot of himself. Yeah, yeah. He, he gives that impression. When he was a manager at Charlton, he went to get... This is a, the story, it's been passed around, but um, basically he went to get some food with his uh, coaching team and this and the other, and uh, they ran out of gravy. So basically he sat down on a table surrounded by his uh, coaching staff, and his assistant manager was next to him with... And his Sunday lunch had gravy on it. So basically, he swapped them over just before he was about to eat it. And everyone like stopped and looked at him. And he says, when you're the king, you can do what you want. <laughs> when you're the king, you yep. can pinch your assistant's gravy. Well, it's it's just, that's 
he's, he's that kind. He's that's, that guy. That's he a measure of the man. Guy. He is yeah. that guy. Some managers think that they have to be like that, though. But somebody like Claudio Ranieri proves that they don't. They proves he's proven that he can be likable, and that's the way to command respect. And ultimately, you're going to get more out of your players if they respect you because they like you yeah. and because you're doing your job well, not because you try and be some sort of big time Charlie. Big, big pinches am. gravy. When you're the king, I can do what you want. He's a southerner as well. What's he Quote. doing with gravy? Well, I don't know, but uh, but anyway, that's that's the uh, that's the, that's the story, and um, and 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 he brought up this kind of rivalry between the two. I mean, the only rivalry I can imagine is people who are still annoyed about Steve Claridge shinning in the top corner in in nineteen ninety six. So I and it, he says uh, they didn't shake hands at the previous game, and Ranieri laughed it off afterwards. Say, oh yeah, we didn't, but I'll see him in a bit. Say so it's fine. There's no problem. And he came out with all sorts of stuff. Uh, Pardew. But mainly in desperation because he's trying to think of an angle to try and turn his team's fortunes around. It didn't work. One nil win again, and um, it, uh, you must be if you, if you're a rival, a Spurs fan or a Spurs player to do with the club, Arsenal the same. Just looking at these one nil wins, and it must be more demoralising seeing Leicester win one nil, one nil, one nil than maybe if they're winning. Why three goals to nil, say at home against Southampton, or the play away at Palace and win two nil. Just seeing these one nil, it, it must be more demoralising. But it meant that Leicester's run continued. A great way to go into the international break, and an international break with England that was fairly good for City players. Fairly, Danny Drinkwater, man of the match on his debut. Jamie Vardy, that goal against Germany. How how Roy Hodgson cannot pick that finishing team against Germany I know you can't just pick one team over that one performance but it's everyone who was playing was in their correct position in the position they liked to play and it was fast direct football Kane's a top centre forward put Vardy alongside him of course he can be an impact substitute but play them both up front through it, the middle yeah, through the middle in a 4-4-2 now the four in midfield if you want to play a diamond fine it worked quite well Deli Alley needs to be in there Has to be, and yeah. then the two alongside with the anchoring which probably will be Dyer yeah. Not, again, not a problem. It could be die or drink water. Die is there. And it's just, it's attacking football. Nowhere near should uh, Walcott or Sterling. I mean, it's dreadful form. They could be in, on the bench, but Vardy, up top, what a goal. This, what a goal. Where were, you, where were you when you were watching it? Where was I watching it? That's a long time ago. <laughs> you can't remember. I genuinely can't you remember. You remember the goal? Of course I remember the goal. Ball in, brilliant flick. Yeah, I, yeah. I watched it in an airport. Um, but I've, I've watched it at least fifty times. I've seen I, I, it's it's a fantastic goal from a player who has not scored for Leicester for a while, but has not his performances have been just as good. And it's clearly not affected his confidence because no. only a confident player would attempt oh, yeah. a finish like that. It was it was a world class world class finish on the on the biggest stage or one of the biggest stages in Berlin in front of millions yeah. of people and around the world watching. And he's proved that he can do it on the biggest stage. There's a lot of World class players that are billed as world class that have never really done anything at international level, and there's these players that you say, oh yeah, they're really effective in the Premier League. Your likes of Walcott and Sterling, currently out of form but good players, but have never cut it for England. And Vardy has just managed to bring his club form to England if you play him in the right place. If you insist on starting him wide as a top as a front three, it's not going to happen. Got to play through the middle. Got to play through the middle with Kane because they've got. What is it? Some, it must be something near forty goals this season between them in and, the league. And then obviously he carried on with Drinkwater in the in the next game at Wembley Stadium. Two Leicester players starting for Le- for England in the same game. I mean that 
when when has that happened? I think starting for the first time, it's um, since the seventies. I think Stringfellow and and that kind of era starting. I'm, I'm two, trying. Two... I'm trying to think. I, I I remember the last time two players played for England from Leicester. It wasn't actually two. It was three. And I'm trying to think who they were. Yeah. As I'm looking on my phone right now, one of them was definitely it was Worthington and it was Weller, and I've well, been Banks or Shilton. It could have been Shilton, I think. I know two players. I can't. Yeah, I'll have mm. to. We'll but, have to find. But it. Guppy and Heskey did play in the same England team, but one of them came on as a sub. Right. But they didn't. The first time two players had started oh, together. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Guppy and Heskey played in the same England team at some stage. They were on the pitch at the same time, but hadn't start. First starts was uh, early seventies, was it? I think it was. And it's, I mean, end of the day, it's good to see Danny Drinkwater play for England. He's been fantastic this season. I know you're not his biggest fan. I, I've been converted. Really? Yeah. Well, when's how, that happened? How can I not be converted now? Just because he plays for England now, you've, you've been converted. No. You, you, I've not been negative towards him this season, have I? Yes, you have. No. Yes, you have. No, I, I've said he's, he's, he, I thought he was, um, Playing a lot better than I ever believed him capable of doing so, but he's managed to do it regularly, and, and he did. And he did it for England. He did exactly the same. They were they were worrying about him because they were worrying if he'd be able to cover all the ground in the centre of midfield without his mate Kante. Yes, that's what a lot of the pundits said pre-match, and the answer was yeah, of course he can. Got the ball, used it well, broke up the attacks, brilliant. And it's just what England needed as well. Again, playing a player in the position that he's been playing for his club. And we have to mention Kante playing for um, France, his first start, his first cap on his birthday, and a goal. A goal by N'Golo Kante. How many millions has that put on his head? A few. A few more. It has yeah, to be. And and it'll play at clubs that may well have had a half interest in him, will have, will, especially in France, will have sort of perked up a little bit and, and will be having a closer look at him, I'd imagine. And he, he's refused to commit his future to Leicester as well which is an interesting one well I say he's refused to he didn't not commit it no it, it was it was a, a comment to was it French newspaper or something like that where they asked him about next season or, or will you be at Leicester next season and he just basically said I don't know don't know just going to carry on playing just football carry on playing just football carry on you got to remember running around he's, he's, a, he's, he's not English for a start so if it was Jamie Vardy you're going to be at Leicester next year if he turned around and said well probably yeah you know you could understand what he's saying. He's like just laughing it off or, or saying, yeah, probably, or who knows. You could say who knows to anything. Because he is French and he's just played for the, the, the national team and he's scored, his profile is huge, mm. absolutely huge. He's one of the most informed for all season or hardly spoken about midfielders in world football yep. right now. Yep. Vardy's got his level. He's got, because of his age and where he's come from, he's not exactly going to go abroad or anywhere. But Kante could go anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. So it would be if I was him, I wouldn't say, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, I'll be at Leicester next year. I would say the same. I'd say, "Oh, who knows? Someone could come in with fifty million pounds." You never know. Yeah, you never know. So I think a lot of people were getting a bit uh, excited about that, and it's it's obvious the team's doing brilliantly. So every single little minute thing is being looked at. So uh, I wouldn't worry about that. But again, it just shows the quality we've got. Uh, what was Mares' performance like? Four four assists in one game. All right, it was against Ethiopia, but it just shows his level of creativity, and it was good for him to to. I say it was good for all the players to come back fit as well. 
Yes. Not, not just they fit, did, but they they've carried on a lot of form. They looked slightly off the pace as well against Southampton, mainly because of travelling, like I said. I mean, what? how far did Okazaki travel? He, he played and scored? Lots of thousands of miles. Shinji Okazaki, his goal against Afghanistan, again, the quality of the opposition is not, uh, not the highest, but the way he nutmegged one defender in the motion of turning and then just buried it in the bottom corner, it's... it's it's quality that he's shown in in patches for Leicester because it, he's, I mean, he's gone as a bit of an unsung hero for most of the season. Yeah, he's had his um, his overhead kick and most of his other goals have been very interesting and slightly fortuitous, if you like. But it's been mainly his work rate and his positional sense and his willingness to do whatever he's asked to do for the team that's been his main talking point and his main focal point this season definitely I think if we were going to at the end of the season <laughs> pick holes in the team imagine there's, and there's still people out there well I'm not too sure about him I'm not too sure bloody hell top of the league by <laughs> top a mile top of the league with six games to go what more can they do exactly but when we do look at positions in the team that maybe could be strengthened somehow or somewhere then it could be it could be one position but again a lot of travelling for our players um, called up by virtually every single first teamer um and performing really, really well. And it's great to see that. It's great to see. Uh, and then, I got, of course, the main thing was bouncing back with proper football, club level and the win against Southampton. So now we will look forward to the game against Sunderland. Mm. Mm. Now, Sunderland was the place last season where we stayed up. That was the that was the point away from home, wasn't it? Where, fond, fond memories there. Yeah. Um, this time last season we were seven points adrift at the bottom. This time, obviously now we are seven points at the top of the table. So that's, that's such an incredible. Stat. It's a great stat. That is a great stat. Um, Sunderland difficult to beat now. They're quite solid. If ever a game was going to be nil nil, it was the home game against uh, West Bromwich Albion. But um, what are your thoughts? Are you worried? Do you think a point is good enough? Uh, do you think the way that Sunderland play will suit Leicester uh, in terms of controlling their attack and also on the counter? Well, we need three wins and three draws. The seven-point gap means we need three wins and three draws, so away draws and home wins would be, would be good enough for me. Um, there's no point, there's no need to panic if we draw away at Sunderland because they're fighting for their lives. And we proved that we, when we looked down and out last season that we got results against all sorts of different clubs. Um, to to save our season, and if any man's going to do it, it's going to be Sam Allardyce because he knows exactly what it takes to stay in this division. Yeah, good manager. But Sunderland are crap. They are rubbish. Yeah, I don't think unless Jermaine Defoe gets half a yard in the penalty area, they, I don't think they ever look like scoring. Now I'm strangely confident about a Leicester uh, away trip, which never really happens. And and of course, it is dangerous as well, even though it makes no difference on the game. It's going to be difficult away. There is a point good enough. Yeah, point's always good. I've said many times on this podcast, a point in the Premier League is decent. The one thing for me, though, it's what happens with Spurs. The fact that... Um, you can't keep watching other people's <laughs> results. I, I know. And also, I know our, our game is before theirs, I, I'd, uh, I think. I think the Spurs playing at home, uh, sorry, Spurs playing before Leicester in the last weekend was the last time that will happen this season. Every single other game, it will be Leicester playing first or so we got to playing the at the same on. time. Exactly. So if we go and win, then we're 10 points clear with them playing Man U at home. 
fantastic incentive for the players. Um, so it's all looking good for Leicester. I think they'll be able to control the def- uh, control the attack. Obviously, they've got Jermaine Defoe, but again, it's on the counter. I think people like Maris and Vardy will just look at that game and go, wow, well, we've got a real chance here. Um, and again, if Leicester go 1-0 up, just like they have done in the, the previous X amount of games, the defence can hold it. You'd always fancy them to see it out, wouldn't you? But against Sunderland, I would probably fancy them to maybe grab another as well. Yeah. Because of, because of the standard of their team and also the way that we're playing. So, optimistic. Uh, it's And it's so strange because I wasn't that optimistic at home to Southampton. It's weird. Top of the league by, you know, at the time, four points. And yet, you're playing Southampton at home are a good team, but I wasn't that optimistic. Mm. This time, I am. So, it'll all probably come crashing down. But uh, Cautiously but, optimistic. Yeah, touch wood and all that sort of thing um, and that is this weekend we will obviously do a podcast after no players got entered into the best and worst 11 no no I mean the goalkeeper was decent the, the no why they didn't play that uh, Dusan Tadic he came on He's a, he likes to kick and moan and foul and get the opposition crowd on his back that's fine not a problem Good player. Yeah, very good, good player. player. Good Slight, technically, isn't he? Yeah, slightly frustrating. I think he could do with uh, being put in a position rather than just moving around all over the place. I think he needs a little bit of discipline. But there was a real player there. So why they didn't play from the start? And Ward Prowse with his uh, dead balls and getting the ball into the area again. They've got a good team, but uh, it was a, a comfortable win. So uh, no players get into the best and worst eleven. Um And that's about it for episode 35. We'll be back next week, I presume. And uh, obviously we'll pick up the bones after the away trip to Sunderland and, of course, our title rivals. Um, Any comments about the show or if you want to get in contact, there are various ways to do that. One is email for fox8podcast at gmail.com. Go on Facebook and type in for fox8podcast and click like. There's a group on there where photos and videos and all sorts that we, we do at the ground or in and around Leicester, we put them on there as well. Twitter. At FFS Pod, FFS Pod, followers on there, and of course, there's various means like Reddit, etc. There's a group on there as well. So, get in contact with the show in any way, shape, or form. Let us know where you are in the world, what your thoughts are about up and coming games, or anything we've mentioned on the show, or anything that you want, any questions you want uh, to ask us, and then we can bring it up at the next time that we meet next week. Anything to finish off with, Rob? Apart from saying happy birthday again, thank you. Uh... Seven points clear, six games to go. Mind the gap. Again, I'll say it again, mind that gap.